you're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good, good morning, church. We had a little mic trouble this morning at nine, so I was a little apprehensive as to whether or not it was going to actually talk to you. Um, we decided this morning that God wanted to mute me earlier, so um, but hopefully he'll speak through the message today. Um, we're glad you're here. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, we're especially glad you're here, and we pray that in each heart here today that God will work and do incredible things, and so we're believing that, expecting that. Um, we believe that every time we open God's Word, because it's living and active, that it's going to do a work in our heart, in someone's heart. It's going to pierce them and, and do a great work in them um, so that God can do a great work through them. And so today, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter 4. Um, we're still in our Dark Corner series. I do want to mention to you real quick a correction um, that was in the announcements. I think it was announced that the fall festival starts at 6.30. It actually starts at 5 o'clock, okay? It's from 5 o'clock to 7.30, all right? So just a quick correction on that, 5 o'clock to 7.30 this afternoon. We're excited about that. Hope you'll join us. Um, but we're in this Dark Corner series. This series is about the dark corners of our hearts. It's about us exposing um, these darker areas of our hearts to the light. Um, all of us have things that in our life we wanna keep tucked away or we wanna keep hidden, uh, but we know that God's will, God's heart for us is that those things will be brought into the light that they could be healed, that God could put his hand on them, that God, we would relinquish those things to God, that God could bring healing in those areas. And so today, we want to talk about one of those things that affects all of us, and that is pride. How many of you have ever fallen under the influence of pride, maybe, in your life? Yeah, some of us recognize that, some maybe don't, but it's something that, that affects us all. It's something that gets in all of our lives and all of our hearts and causes issues. And so we're going to be in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10 this morning. And so let's uh, take a second, let's read those 10 verses, and then we'll go back and we'll go through them. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your, on your pleasures. You adulterous people. So James is really pumping us up here, right? He's making us feel good. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that he is jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and well. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Well, let's pray. God, thank you for your word and thank you for loving us and for your grace, God, that saves us. Thank you for that gift of grace. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts today through that grace, through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, draw us closer to you. God, I pray that we would be intentional about drawing near to you as your promise is that you would draw near to us, God. And so, God, we, we want your presence. We want you here. We want you to move in our hearts and to do the things that only you can do. Change our hearts, God. Thank you for your word. Let it work in us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, 
I was talking with a friend of mine this week and he told me, he said that he was riding down the greenway. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but this greenway over here, um, kind of behind us, uh, it's got a running trail. And he said he was riding down the greenway and he said he was coming back to the office and he said he looked over and there was this man running and said that he looked like he was really struggling, said he was just barely getting along, said he's, he's so um, tired that his head was hanging over to the side and, and was barely going, so much so that he thought, man, I wonder if this guy needs help. Like, should I stop and help this guy because he looks like he needs so much help? And as the story went on, he talked more and more about how this guy was struggling running. And then he find, and, and, and the reality of it was that finally he gets to the end of it and he goes, Brandon, that was you. And I was like, I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks so much. You know, as, as I've always wondered, like, what do I look like when I run? And I didn't think it was good, but I didn't know it was that bad, right? And so the thing that I realized is that uh, that, that, that kind of dinged my pride a little bit, if you know what I'm saying. It's like one of those things that was kind of like, oh, man. So now every time I see somebody running, I'm like, I wonder if I look like that, right? Um, and, and so uh, and, and, and I even pray more now for people who are running. I'm like, God, help them not look like me, you know? And so um, but, but the thing that I realized in all of that is that it, it kind of dinged my pride a little bit. We all have pride. We all have uh, this, this something about us that wants to put forth a certain image, that wants to look good. Um, and, and we all have pride in some way. Um, and we'll see this more in just a second. There is a type of um, pride or, or being proud of things or proud of an accomplishment or being proud that, that uh, your children did something um, that was good that, that I don't believe is sinful, but it comes from this place. It comes from a place where we acknowledge that everything that we have, everything that we are, everything we'll ever become and anything good in our life came from God. It's a place where we recognize that there's no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman, that everything, every good and perfect gift comes from God, that he's the one that gives it to us in our life. And so it's acknowledging what God has done. Sinful pride, on the other hand, is where we take credit for the things that God has done. And so I want you to think about that. It's, it's one of those things where it's, it's literally when we begin to put ourselves in the place of God. And so sometimes we think about it, and, and I want you to see what sinful pride looks like, but sometimes we think about it just about the, like the arrogant person or the, what we would call the prideful person that they always talk about how good they are or how great they are. They can just tell by the air about them that they think they're, they're all that. And so we have that, maybe that person in our life or those people in our lives that we think about in that way, in that vein. But it's also uh, other things. It can be simply a self-centered heart. Their heart is centered on us. And this is really the root of pride is that we are putting ourselves in the place of God and we're focusing on ourselves so that the focus is on us. In fact, sometimes pride is the need for us to be in the spotlight all the time. It's to be up front, it's to be seen, it's to be noticed, it's to be uh, the one who gets all the accolades or when people are patting you on the back and sometimes pride shows itself in that way because it's a self-centered heart that needs everything to be about us. Sometimes pride shows up in insecurity. I know for me, this is a big one for me. And I had to realize that this is a source of pride in my life, that even my insecurities, because what happens is I'm still focused on me. I'm still looking at me and pride is the cover that we'll typically go to, to cover our insecurities. When we're in a place that we don't feel sure about ourselves or we don't feel confident about ourselves, typically we try to cover it up by acting as though we are. 
If you show me a very prideful person, about 99 out of 100 times, I can show you a very insecure person. Someone who needs to cover up their, their insecurity with pride, with this facade that says that I'm confident in who I am and I'm confident in what I do and I can handle this on my own. And so when we look at pride, it takes a lot of different um, focuses. It takes a lot of different um, means. It, it, it shows up in different ways. It shows up oftentimes in an um, unwillingness to submit to authority. If you think about authority in your life, are you willing to submit to people? that, that are, are godly people who lead you in your life? Are you willing to submit to God and trust God and put God where he belongs? I would ask you this question, who's on the throne of your life? Who's on the, in the seat of authority in your life? Is it God or is it you? Who's in that seat? Because that really is the ultimate source of pride is when we begin to put ourselves again in the place of God, a self-righteous attitude is often uh, where pride shows itself in us. And this happens so much in the church. It happens all the time where people on the inside of the church even judge others on the inside of the church because they think they're more spiritual than others. So they have a self-righteous attitude where they look at them and they look down their nose on them. People inside the church for, for so long have been self-righteous towards people outside the church. And so when we see that, we realize that's a source of pride. Some people have doctrinal pride that they think that their way is the only way that could possibly be right. And so we see self-righteousness oftentimes show itself. And we need to address this. And it's important that we address it. It's important that we look at it, one, because everybody has it, but two, because it's a trap in our life. And because everybody has it, we need to deal with it. And because of it being the root of sin in our life, really and truthfully, we need to deal with it. We need to make it right. We need to get it right. And the good thing about it is James is going to tell us how we do that. He's going to deal with us on it, but he's going to tell us how we do it. I want you to see that this pride is very subtle. It creeps in. Many times we fall into pride and we may not even realize it. I shared this story. I think it's been a while back, but I wanted to share it again because it illustrates something that I think happens to us with pride. I was 16 years old. I was driving down Main Street here in Statesboro over near RJ's Steakery. And as I was driving down the road, it was getting kind of dark and um, realized we were, we were going to a birthday party. Susan and I, who's now my wife, was my girlfriend, and we were going to a birthday party. I realized that uh, I was going the wrong direction. So I was going to whip into this gas station that used to be there and turn around. And about the time I turned, somebody, Susan kind of had her head up against the glass on the win of the window um, on her side in the passenger seat. And all of a sudden, when I started to turn, like somebody just crashed into the side of the car and it was a guy on a bicycle. And so um, he comes crashing into the car. He had the, a bicycle that was the kind you lock your feet into. So he was kind of stuck. As when I slammed on brakes, he goes sliding off the car. Um, he gets up, throws the bicycle. And I'm like, look, Susan, I looked at Susan. And I was like, if I get out right now, I'm afraid we're gonna get in a fight. And so I sit there in the car like this right here. And finally I get out and some other people had gathered around. I get out and he looks at me and he's like, don't you have a mirror on that thing? I had a 1983 Honda Accord. We call it the gray ghost because it just wouldn't die, right? And I turn around and look, and this is no joke. There was no mirror on that side of my car. 
And so I was like, no, actually, I don't have a mirror on that side of my car. And here's the thing I realized is that because of that, I had a blind spot. The crazy thing is I ended up getting out of this and he ended up getting charged for it because he had no reflectors on his bike and was riding on a sidewalk, right? So kind of worked out kind of crazy, but just want to tell you the rest of the story. And um, so, but I had a blind spot. I couldn't see it. And I think pride is like that oftentimes. It's that blind spot that we can't see. It's one reason we need godly people in our lives who can point these things out to us, who can tell us these things, who can show us these things, because we all have blind spots in our lives. And oftentimes pride is one of those blind spots that we can't see. We need to have somebody in our life that can say, hey, I heard you say this and this is what I heard, or I saw you do this and this is what I saw. Somebody that we love and trust who can help bring correction into our life without bringing condemnation so that we can walk free of this because it's dangerous. Pride is very dangerous. Proverbs 16, 18 says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And I can tell you that in my life, the times that I've tried to prop myself up on me, the times I've tried to prop myself up on what I could do, my ability, accomplishments I've made are the times that I've fallen the hardest. And so we've got to come to a place where we no longer prop ourselves up on us and our ability and our achievements and what we've done and how we've done it, but we prop ourselves up, we lean ourselves up on God, standing on that firm foundation because pride does cause destruction. And, and James points this out in these first few verses of chapter four. He says there in verse one, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. And so when we look at this, James is talking about this, this pride, these desires, these passions inside of us, these wants, these needs, this self-centeredness inside of us. What he's saying is this causes problems in your relationships with others. It destroys relationships with other people. He's not necessarily saying you literally physically kill somebody. What he's talking about is this killing relationships, it's killing this, this bond, it's killing purposes, it's killing what should be taking place in the church and, and, and what should be going on in your fellowship. And so he's talking about this from a standpoint of it, it kills relationships. Pride kills relationships. When we're self-centered, it's all about me. We can't see the needs in other people's lives and it begins to kill relationships that should be healthy. He goes on in verse two at the very end and he says, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. The second thing that it destroys is our relationship with God. He's talking about it even hindering our prayer life, hindering our walk with God. See, when we try to put ourselves in the place of God, there's no way to have a good relationship with God. God, the only way to have a relationship with God, the only way this relationship works is when God is God and we're not. When he's the one that's on the seat of authority on the throne of our life. But oftentimes we try to put ourselves in that place. We try to assert God's authority. We try to make ourselves like God and it destroys that relationship with God. 
It destroys relationships with other people. And listen, when relationships with other people are destroyed and our relationship with God is destroyed, then it destroys the church. It destroys the purpose of the church. If there's no fellowship with the believers and there's no fellowship with God, the church can't possibly be what the church is called to be. Now, the church in America has existed for a long, long time without those two things being intact. But I think you see where that leads. So we've got to come to a place where we humble ourselves before God. We get our relationship with him right, get our relationship with others right, so that the church can be what the church is designed to be, the hope of the world, preaching the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus with other people. We've got to humble ourselves before him so that he can put things in the right place. Listen to verses uh, four and five, or four first. Let's go through this. You adulterous people, Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Basically what he's saying here, he's told us what the the damage is from uh, the the pride, from our self-centered hearts. What he's he's doing now is he's telling us a little bit why this is happening. And he says, you adulterous people, basically you unfaithful people. It's kind of like crazy because James wasn't pulling punches, right? He's just getting to the heart of the matter. It's basically a word that would be used to describe an adulterous wife, a wife who had gone after another man. And he's saying, this is how you've behaved. This is what you've acted like. This is what you're doing. And so God is telling them through James, James is writing this to show them that their hearts are not fully devoted to God. This is the first thing that we need to get right is to get our hearts fully devoted to him, trusting him and and following him. He's saying your hearts have been given to another. Verse five, he says, or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he is called to dwell in us? In this verse, he's saying the spirit that he's put in us longs to be the, I don't know what's up with that, but he longs to be the, 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 the sole owner of our heart, the one that has all of our devotion, the one that we live for, the one that has everything, that controls everything. And he's talking about God is this jealous God, not in a sinful, jealous way, but in a way that he wants us to be his. He loves us so much. He wants us to be his. And it's rightful that we are his. And it's rightful that we give everything to him because he deserves it. He deserves everything that we have to offer. And so we need to see that. And so these first five verses, James is really kind of coming down on us, right? He's, he's really hammering us and trying to get us to look at our hearts. And I would challenge you right now to look at your heart, to look at your heart and to see where am I? Who's on the throne of, of my life? Who's in the seat of authority in my life? Is it God or is it me? And so James takes us to this place where, where, where he shows us the bleakness of where our hearts can be. Is that hurting y'all's ears? Okay, it's driving mine crazy. So um, James wants us to see how bleak this is. He's painting a, back, a black backdrop for us. And the thing I want you to see in this and get out of this is that he doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us there. He comes to the other side of this and he says, but there's hope. And I want you to know there's hope on the other side of pride, that there is a way to overcome it. It's not overcome all at one time. It's a daily walk with God. It's a daily um, walking with him. And and we're going to see it's a daily giving our life to him. 
But he comes to this verse six after all of this and he says, but he gives more grace, but he gives more grace. He uses this word, but to make this transition. And what he wants us to see is that even in the midst of our pride, if you think about how prideful your heart can be, how self-centered your heart can be, when I think about how self-centered my heart can be, how self-centered it is, then I start to see that this is, this is a huge transition, that this but, but God gives more grace is huge for us. Because he's saying, even though your heart is prideful, even in all of your pride, Jesus's grace is greater than your pride. It's greater than your sin. And so we see this huge grace. And if we're going to overcome pride, then what we've got to get to is a place where we are consistently and constantly looking at the enormity of God's grace, how awesome and amazing it is. See, we never want to dwell on the past and live in the past and live in our sin. We, we want to come into an identity of Christ, but we also never want to forget where Jesus has brought us from. And so we need to look at our, 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 our life and see where God's brought us from and see where God's brought us to and see the enormity of God's grace. And this is a huge sentence. This is a huge verse of scripture because it's gonna paint the backdrop for everything else that we see in this. You can't read the next few verses out of the context of God's grace because grace is gonna be the, the catalyst for everything that we see from here on. The rest of verse six says, that's why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Verse seven, he says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. James begins to give us these commands and he begins to give us some promises. But remember that the only reason we're able to fulfill the commands is because of God's grace working in our lives. He tells us, first of all, to submit ourselves then to God. The word for submit is a word that literally means to enlist. It means to enlist. In other words, what he's telling us is decide whose side you're on. So first of all, he tells us to see the enormity of God's grace. Then he says, decide whose side you're on. The word would literally be something like going and enlisting and joining the army to represent a, a nation or a kingdom. It's what God's telling us in this. If you're, gonna, if you're gonna humble yourself, then this is the thing you need to do. You need to submit yourself to me, enlist with me, decide you're on my team. See, every day, every, every day, every moment, we're deciding one way or the other whose team we're on. Whose side am I on? Who am I going to live for? Happens every day. And some of us have, we, we, we made the wrong decision for a long, long time. The good news is that today is a new day when we can decide, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to follow him. The nature of pride is that we don't listen to God and do what he says. The thing I would tell you and that I would encourage you with is to do the opposite of that. Listen to God and do what he says. Hear his voice and do it. It's the best way to live your life. And verse seven is teaching us to decide whose side we're on. Submit ourselves then to God. And then it says resist the devil. But notice that submission to God comes before being able to resist the devil. That we've got to submit before we can resist it is God's grace working in us and through us that gives us the strength. It's the spirit of God giving us the strength to stand firm against what Satan would want to do in our lives. He gives us the wisdom to flee temptation. He gives us the strength to stand firm. And so when we see this, we see that there's an order that James has given us. There's an order that he's given in this and that he says, submit, then resist. He also says that if we resist, then he'll flee. But I want you to notice that the command comes before the promise. 
He's telling us that we've got to resist and then he will flee. We've, we've got to get the order right. That the command comes before the promise that when we're obedient, then we begin to see the fruit of that obedience in our life. But we've got to be willing to fulfill the command before the promise comes. But remember, this is all under the umbrella of God's grace working in us and working through us. Verse eight, he says, come near to God and he will come near to you. The next thing that we need to do is draw intentionally close to God. We need to intentionally work on our relationship with God so that we come to a place where we see the enormity of God's grace. We come to a place where we, we decide whose side we're on, who's, who we're gonna work for, who we're gonna live for, ourselves or God. And then we come to a place where we're intentional about our relationship with God. Because the reality is you don't just drift into God's presence, you come into God's presence. It's one of the greatest gifts of grace that we have is that we can come boldly before his throne, that we can come boldly before his throne of grace. So it's one of the greatest gifts we have. Are you taking advantage of that gift? Is it something that you're, you're doing? Are you coming regularly into God's presence so that you can experience again his grace and mercy? We do that through prayer. We do that through the word of God. We do that through community. All these different ways that we can experience God's grace, all of these different means of grace. And so we need to be doing that. We need to be coming into his presence and, and taking advantage of this great privilege that God's given us through Jesus. We need to be intentional. In order, notice again that there's an order. There's a command before the promise. The command is come into my presence or come, come draw near to God. The promise is that he'll draw near to us. It'd be nice sometimes if it worked the opposite way, right? That we'd experience God's presence in this tangible, amazing way so that then we would draw near. And sometimes it works that way. Sometimes God just shows up in this amazing way. And, and, and maybe today for some of you, that's what's gonna happen is that you came not really looking for God, but God came looking for you. And so he's gonna touch your heart. But typically the way that it moves and the way that it works is that when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. That if we'll look for him, then we'll find him. But we've got to look, we've got to desire, we've got to want his presence. We've got to want his presence like we want our next breath. And so are you here today seeking him? Because this is what I can tell you for many of you, God's been seeking you for a long time. He's been knocking on the door of your heart. He's been drawing you to himself. And God desires to walk in this relationship with you. The next part of verse eight, it gets kind of intense. He says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so the next thing we need to see in verse eight is that we need to deal with our sin. We need to deal with it. Remember, it's under God's grace. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But the reality is that there is sin that needs to be dealt with. The, the Christian life is living a life that is crucified with Christ. It's Galatians 2.20 when Paul's writing to the Galatians. And he says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And that's the nature of the Christian life that we, we daily come to the cross where we see Jesus have, having humbled himself. There's no greater act of humility than Jesus going to the cross and dying, giving his life. The one who left heaven, the one who left everything and came here emptying himself of everything, becoming nothing and dying a death that, that, that was considered cursed so that he became the curse for us so that we could be blessed through him. 
And I want you to see that, that what Jesus did for us in his humility is that he humbled himself. He made himself even subservient to the father so that he could do the work that had to be done so that he could become the bridge between us and God. And in doing that, he took your sin and he took my sin and he took it upon himself and he took the wrath of God for that sin. He died a death that we should have died. He went into a, a tomb for three days. Three days later, because his sacrifice was acceptable to God, God raised him three days later to life, overcoming death, hell, and the grave once and for all so that you and I can be now come in faith to Jesus, having our sins forgiven, but not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. And then we're able to come into a relationship with God that is right as we are made righteous in Christ. And so we're able to come to this place and I want you to see what Jesus has done for you and for me through his humility, but we've got to deal with our sin. So many of us are trying to cover it up, but God wants us to walk in freedom from it. It's not that God's coming after us as some uh, tyrant that just wants to slap us upside the head. God wants to take away from us what would harm us. But for many of us, we try to hide it. We try to cover it up. The other day, I borrowed a backhoe from a friend of mine. And I was working in my yard um, with it, trying to do some cleaning up. And um, I was trying to scrape. I had the, the bucket down, and I was trying to scrape the ground and clean up some limbs and just smooth out some dirt. And I'm riding along, and I'm looking behind me as I'm driving. I'm backing up. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear... I was like, what is that? I turned around and it looked like old faithful in my yard. It was this water just shooting straight up in the air. I was like, oh, great. This is awesome, right? I don't know if you've ever had anything like that happen, but it's like this terrible feeling you get in your stomach. Like now there's something else to fix, right? And so I realized um, that I hit a water line. Um, so then I had to go shut off the water, fix the pipe, do all this stuff. But the point I want you to see in this and, and get from this is that pipe was underground. I couldn't see it. And many of us have things in our life that we can't see or that others can't see. We know it's there. But the thing I wanna tell you is that what we think is hidden, the sin in our life that we think is hidden, at some point it becomes public. It always shows itself. We can only harbor it and walk in it so long. But it's destructive and it's powerful and God wants to remove it from us. He wants to take it from us. But what's in the dark corners of our heart that we need to bring out into the light? What do we need to give over to God and trust him with? What is it that's broken in us that needs to be healed by God? What is it that you need to bring to him today? Today, in this time, what is it that God's speaking to you about? Verse nine, he goes on and it gets even better. He says, grieve, mourn, and well." Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. In other words, he's saying it's time for you to repent. And, and, and literally, look, it's time to quit acting like everything's okay and be real about what's going on so that we can begin to be healed by God, so that we can bring it to him, so that we can go to others and we can have others walk through these things with us. We need to find strength in God and we need to find strength in other believers who are going the same direction we're going, who help us walk when we can't walk, who hold us up when we need to be held. And he'll walk with us through life. And I want you to see what he's saying to us here. He's telling us that, that we're to repent of these sins. He's telling us in this text that, that we're to turn from these things and turn to him. It's time to quit acting like things are okay. 
and to give our lives over to him so that he can begin to heal them. Verse 10, he goes on to say, and I believe this is like a, a summary sentence of these verses, but he says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. In other words, submit your life to God. Decide who you're gonna live for and submit your life to him. Trusting him with your life. Put God on the throne of your life. Put God in the seat of authority in your life. Surrender that to him. Quit fighting against God. So many of us in here today are fighting against God fighting against his will, fighting against what he wants for our life. And the reality of it is he wants the best for our lives. Even when it doesn't seem like it's the best to us, we can trust that God is working out the best in us and for us. But we've got to surrender our lives to him. We've got to submit our lives to him. So what James is telling us is to humble ourselves, get rid of this pride, get rid of all of these things that are self-centered and self-focused and give our heart over to him, fully devoted, fully following, fully given to him so that he can do in us what he wants to do. And then he'll do through us what he wants to do as well. But are we surrendered to him? Whose will are we trying to fulfill? God's will or our own will? Because see, here's the thing. If our desire is contrary to God's, it's impossible to pursue those desires and God at the same time. If our desires are contrary to God's, it is impossible to pursue those desires and pursue God at the same time. So which one are we pursuing? Are we pursuing him are we pursuing ourselves and what we want? Who are we holding up in our life as God? The one true God or ourselves? I believe we humble ourselves and we submit ourselves to God in two ways. One is that we submit ourselves to God in salvation. This is the very first step. This is the first thing we have to do is submit ourselves to God in salvation. And, and that takes uh, getting rid of pride in and of itself because we have to admit one, that I can't get my, make myself worthy to be in God's presence on my own. I can't make a way for my, myself to spend eternity with God on my own. We also have to humble ourselves in salvation by just admitting that I need a savior. It takes humility. It takes me saying, this is what I need. I need a savior. And for some of you today, maybe that's where you're at, that God's speaking to your heart and that he's saying, you need me. That's what you're looking for. All this other stuff you're doing, you need me. I believe God would be speaking that to some people today. The other way that we submit our lives to God is in lordship. We submit to him as the Lord of our lives. This is something we do every day. We die to ourselves every day. We give our lives to him every day and it needs to be a moment by moment thing. None of us get it perfect, but this is what God calls us to. This is how we walk humbly with our God is submitting to his Lordship and trusting him and following him. Listen, I realize that in this message, you know, God stepped on my toes all week long with this because in this area, I feel like I'm the chief of sinners. And here's the danger of this message 
is that the most prideful people in here today are sitting there right now thinking that I hope so-and-so heard this, right? But I wanna tell you, this is for all of us. This is not for a couple of people, this is for everybody because pride infects us all and it destroys relationships in our lives, even people we just bump into. You can't meet the needs of other people when you're consumed with your own. I can't meet the needs of other people when all I think about is me. And we need to humble ourselves today. And if today is the day that God is speaking to your heart about salvation, and we always wanna give you that opportunity and today you have that opportunity to say yes to God in, in his salvation, to humble yourself before him. Because see, listen, this is the thing. This is the thing. If you tune me out, you can tune back in. You're gonna humble yourself before God one day. The best way to do it is now. Because one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so, we can humble ourselves now before God or he'll humble us later. But if God is drawing, if he's knocking, if today you recognize that this grace is what you need, this unmerited favor, this unconditional love, this relationship with God, this Jesus who is greater than our sin, this Jesus who's greater than our pride and our self-centeredness, if you realize that today, then we want you to, to say yes to that relationship. And we want you to acknowledge that today. And the way we do that here is we just have you right now, right where you are, to raise your hand and say, I need a relationship with God through Christ. I need Jesus in my life. I realize that's what's been missing. Thank you. Amen. pray with you real quick Mr. Jeff's gonna come and, and pray with you he'll be up here in just a second who else today you say this is what I need I know this is this is what I'm missing this is what I need the next thing I want to encourage you with I want to challenge you with is to make a response to God's grace and submitting to him as the Lord of your life to make a response to God's grace. And this is what I feel like in my heart. I believe that some people need to make this a tangible response. I wanna do it a little different at 11. I, I'm gonna ask you today, if you say, I need to humble myself before the Lord and there's something that you need to submit to Him, just laying your pride down and whatever that looks like, you just need to submit that to Him then I'm gonna ask you right where you are right now that you would stand to your feet and that you would say with me today, I need to humble myself before God. I need to humble myself before the Lord and I need to let Him be God. It's time to take myself out of the seat that He should rightfully hold in my life. And so, this is what I wanna do. I wanna pray. If you wanna to come to the altar, you feel free to come down here and pray. Our prayer team will pray with you um, if you wanna come down here. Um, otherwise, man, I wanna pray for you. 
pray that God would continue to work in your heart. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your love for us and your heart for us. And God, that your grace is greater than our sin. Your grace is greater than our pride. Your grace is greater than our self-centeredness. Let us see how big it is, your grace, this gap that you've bridged between us and you and help us to live for you, God. Help us to be in awe of you and what you've done. Just continue, Lord, to help us to see that more and more clearly every day of our lives. God, just come into us through the power of your spirit. God, we yield ourselves to you. Let's trust you more. Let's follow you wholeheartedly. Let's be faithful to you. And God, quit trying to be who we're not called to be, but just to be who you created us to be. People who love you and follow you, who bring you glory. God, I thank you for each person standing. I thank you for each person here. I pray that you would move in our hearts and our lives would be lived in humble submission to you, God, because you're worthy and it's worth it. But we love you and thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.